Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. It's so surreal when you see yourself repeating some of the mannerisms or patterns that your family participated in. Maybe, maybe you've heard yourself say some things that your parents or your guardians said to you growing up. Like for example, have you found yourself in the last few weeks or months or even years saying any of the following? If you have kids, they're taking a long time in the bathroom, you walk to the bathroom and you knock on the door and you say, hey, did you fall in? And you realize you learned that growing up because your parents said that to you. Or maybe when you went outside and you saw your neighbor washing their car and instead of saying hi, you said to them, hey, can you do mine next? Because you heard your parents say that when you were growing up. Or you're at a grocery store or you're at a restaurant and you see a friend and instead of greeting them with love, you say to them, I guess they'll let anybody in here, right? Because your dad said that. Or maybe you're moving something you put in the back of a truck or in a trailer and You tighten it down, you make it snug, and as you're checking it, you said these words out loud because we heard you. You said, that ain't going nowhere, right? Because you heard that growing up. Isn't it surreal that you and I will repeat the patterns and mannerisms of our family history? What we learned, what we saw, we'll repeat that. And sometimes we'll repeat the healthy stuff, and sometimes we'll repeat the not so healthy stuff. And it's that not so healthy stuff that you and I need to face and we need to deal with and not repeat. It's why we're beginning this new year by talking about how to break the cycle, about how to face the things that are in us and in our family history and how to heal from those things, how to tell better stories. And this conversation is not one where we're blaming our family or we're bashing our generational history. It's one we're actually looking personally at our own lives. Last week, Pastor Joe talked about Psalms 139, and he talked about how we can pray and ask God to search us, to know us, to lead us, and to guide us. Because this is about us. This is about taking ownership of our story so our story doesn't own us. We're not looking to blame or play the victim. We're looking to tell better stories and break the cycle. You may not have had control over how people spoke to you or how they treated you growing up or what happened around you, but you do have control over the story that you're telling today and the future that you're building tomorrow. So I'm so glad that you're here with us. My name is Mike, and if you're watching or listening for the first time, I serve as the lead pastor here at Active Church, and I'm glad that you've decided to at least consider how to break the cycle. Today, we're gonna have a conversation about something that is hard and It's heavy and it's a reality in pretty much every family. And that is the addictive behaviors and addictive rhythms that we've participated in, in our own story, but also in the story of our family history. You know, psychologists say that we are influenced and shaped by two things. We're shaped by our environment and we're shaped by our genetics. Our environment is the environment we were raised in. We're influenced and shaped by what we've seen and what we've heard. For example, did you know that young men, young boys who are raised in a home where they see and experience domestic violence, they are three times more likely to repeat that behavior when they grow up and build a home of their own. 
because they saw it and they learned it and then they end up repeating that cycle. We're also influenced by our genetics. Did you know that those kids that are raised by parents who are alcoholics are four times more likely to repeat that pattern in their home versus those that weren't raised in that environment? Like we are shaped by the environment and the genetics and how we're wired. And if this is our history, then we have to be aware of our history. Psychologists also tell us that research proves that a lot of our addictive behaviors is actually influenced by unresolved hurt. The way that we have caused pain or the pain that has been caused upon us. And the temptation with our hurt, the temptation with our pain is to do one of two things. The the first thing is to dwell on it. Hey, why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. How come this is taking place in my story? I am a good person and I don't deserve this. Or if we're not gonna dwell on it, we end up denying it. Hey, I'm good, I got this. Or if we see addictive behavior in our family, we say, hey, I'm gonna help solve this. It's not that big of a deal. But the truth is, breaking the cycle is actually facing and dealing with the things that are happening in us and happening around us. We're choosing, when we're breaking the cycle, we're choosing to heal from the way that we've been wounded, from the pain of our past, from the hurt that's inside of us. So let's do that together by asking a really uncomfortable but honest question. And here's the question that I want you to consider, that I'm gonna consider, and it's this. What's really keeping you from being free? What is really keeping you from being free? free. Now, when we talk about addictions, the first two things we talk about are drugs and alcohol, right? And those are real things. Those are hard things. They're easier to talk about. They're just not easy to navigate in life. And they're easy to talk about because we always connect that to addiction. But I don't think that those are the only things that we are addicted to. I don't think that those are the only things that influence our addictive behavior. So what really keeps you from being free? What if we went a bit deeper? Is it pornography? Or how about bigotry? Do you find yourself hating people for their ethnicity or skin color or background or they're they're not from here and maybe you're not willing to admit that but you know that's inside of you? What about laziness? You find yourself just not hustling and just being lazy and wanting life to happen around you? What about codependency? You can't do life without them. You are so codependent on these people getting it right so that you can get it right. What keeps you from being free? Do you like control? Because I do. Do you work all the time? Because you feel like you have to? Are you addicted to hurry? What about body image? Are you only gonna present yourself in a certain way and you only allow people to see a certain side of you? Do you find yourself struggling with anorexia or bulimia? What really keeps you from being free? Do you do the things that you know you shouldn't do, but you do them because you enjoy them, but you don't like talking about how you enjoy it because you know that it's wrong? Are you envious? Are you jealous? Are you angry? Doesn't it feel like people are just so angry and not just angry, but doesn't it feel like more people today rage and they're not just angry? Did I leave anything out? Just because it wasn't on my list doesn't mean that it's not something that keeps us from being free. What really keeps you from being free? Maybe your answer is one that's embarrassing. Maybe you are already feeling the shame 
because you had to say yes, at least in your own mind and in your own heart to the things that I've mentioned or maybe something I didn't mention, but you know it's keeping you from being free. Maybe today was the first day that you actually admitted that there is some pain and some hurt inside of you that needs healing, but admitting it means that you have to admit to some brokenness and to some things that maybe you're kind of ashamed of or embarrassed of because it's a part of your story and you're not sure how people are going to receive you and you're not sure how God is going to receive you. And maybe you're thinking, I'm at active church. I'm new to this or I've been doing this a long time. And these active church people, they have it all together and I can't be a part of this group because I don't have it all together. Could I just for a moment welcome you to active church? A group of people who are fellow strugglers. A group of people who are messy. A group of people who have a bit of chaos in their life. We are people who are battling pornography. We're battling drugs. We're wrestling with alcohol. We're living with bigotry and finally admitting it. We're people choosing laziness and we don't like it. We're people that are battling codependency. We all like control and we want to solve the problem for everybody. We work all the time and we're addicted to hurry. We're obsessed with how we look and we put filters on our Instagram posts and on our TikTok videos. We are people that struggle with being envious and jealous. We are angry. We rage. Friends, welcome to Active Church. Now, I'm not sharing all of that to celebrate what it is that's broken inside of us. I'm sharing all of that to tell you that we are messy people. So you are amongst friends and we believe that there is a God who is taking this mess and turning it into a powerful message. That's why we believe that better stories are possible. We believe that we are people in Jesus seeking healing and hope and restoration and redemption. We believe that with God, anything's possible and He's proven it because he sent Jesus who died and resurrected from the grave. Welcome to Active Church. You are amongst friends and you are not alone. And all of us have something that needs to be broken inside of us. Cycles in our life that are cyclical, that need redemption and healing and hope. All of what I just said, Jesus actually summarized in a much better way. Jesus said it this way, if the Son, talking about himself, if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. Sometimes we feel that freedom immediately. And other times that freedom takes time. But the promise of Jesus is that if the Son, if he has set you free because you trusted, believed in him, he died and resurrected and has forgiven you and is giving you freedom, he promises freedom. And sometimes it happens immediately and other times it takes a lot of time for us to learn that we are free. But it's in that idea of being free we find healing and we break the cycle. So today in the next few minutes, I want to take you to an Old Testament story, a Hebrew scriptures story that I think will be so beneficial for you and for me and for all of us. And it's not a story about addiction, but it is a story about healing. And in this story, there are three decisions that are made and they're decisions that you and I can make in our life. And it actually has the power, these decisions have the power to break the cycle in our life. Each decision is different, but they do have a common theme. I want to invite you to turn to the document of 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 2. It's in the Old Testament of the scriptures. 2 Kings chapter 5, 
starting in verse 2. If you have a Bible or Bible app, you can turn there. Verses will be on the screen for you. And as you're doing that, let me set the scene for us. This story is actually about two specific people. Elisha, who's the prophet of God, the man who speaks to the people on behalf of God, and Naaman, who is a warrior and a leader. He's powerful and he's strong. And he received an incredibly terrible diagnosis, a death sentence in that time. Naaman was told that he has leprosy. And if you had leprosy, it meant that there was no cure for you. You would have to leave your family and your home and your community and live outside of the walls because it was so contagious that if anybody got near you, they would get it. It feels like our world a bit today, doesn't it? And this is Naaman's story. And this is where we pick up the story. In 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 2, here's what the writer tells us. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, this is Naaman's wife, she said to Naaman's wife, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. This is a remarkable moment, so don't miss this two sentences of detail. This is a powerful moment because this young lady was kidnapped from her home, her family, her people, her town, and brought into a home that she was not aware of. She didn't know anybody. And yet in her time there, she actually had a high respect for Naaman and for Naaman's wife, so much so that she had a moment where she was able to put aside all of the ways that she could have been a victim so that she could help Naaman, the one that she is serving because she saw him in need of help and in need of hope. Isn't this a great reminder of how important it is for us to be grateful for the people in our life that have the power to speak into our life? Those those friends or those families that actually have a good word for you in moments when things aren't so good. They pointed us to something better. Maybe you have somebody who said to you, hey, why don't you come and sit with me at Active? I think you'll like it. Hey, why don't you try counseling or therapy? In fact, I'll help find a place and I'll drive you there and I'll even help offset the cost. Hey, I read this book and and in this book, there are some words that I think will be so good for your life. Man, I'm grateful for people like this young woman, this servant girl in my life men and women who are able to speak into my life. And I'm grateful for those that have decided to speak into your life. We need them. Naaman needed this. And she loved and respected Naaman. And so Naaman hears this message from his wife about what the girl said. And after hearing this, he goes to the king and he asks for permission to go to Samaria to see the prophet. The king agrees He thinks it's a great idea. And in fact, the king sends a letter ahead of him, hoping that it would help his cause. And we're told in verse five about those details. So Naaman, he left and he took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of clothing. In other words, this is the writer telling us that Naaman rolled deep, like he had a lot of cash. He had a lot of resource. He had everything he needed to make sure that he could pay for whatever healing he could find. And the king agrees to send him out. And so verse six, we read that the letter that the king sent read this way. With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman so that you may cure him of leprosy. 
Now, those two small insignificant moments are not small or insignificant at all. The, the young woman mentioning that there is a prophet that could heal him and then the king sending a letter to help support Naaman. These are powerful moments. These are cycle-breaking invitations to make cycle-breaking decisions. And Naaman in this moment made the first of three cycle-breaking decisions. And his first decision was to surrender to the love of those around him. And you can do the same. A cycle-breaking decision for you when it comes to addiction and addictive behaviors is to choose to surrender to the love of those around you to listen to what they have to say. And I get it. I get it. We all think that we got it, right? I don't need their wisdom. I'm going to handle this. I can do this on my own, but I know that God has placed a few friends and family in my life and a few friends and family in your life that have the ability to speak to you and give you life. This is so important for those who are wrestling and loving somebody through addictive behaviors. And if that's you, listen to me. This is why your story matters. This is why you must be honest and vulnerable. This is why you shouldn't keep your past from your kids, but be honest about what God has done and what God is doing. Because it's a hopeful story. Paul wrote this in one of his letters. He said that you go through these painful moments so that you can comfort those who need comfort. This is God's purpose in your pain, or at least one of the purposes in your pain when you lose somebody or when you're struggling with something or when you go through this moment where you don't know what to do and then you finally make it through those moments. These are moments that God uses to bring hope to those around you. This is why you should tell your story, share your story, and be open with your story because God is up to something in your story. Do your best to love those around you at their worst is really the invitation here. And so Naaman makes a cycle-breaking decision to surrender to their love, and you can do the same to those that love you. And the writer continues in verse 9 and says, Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stopped by the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha doesn't even come to the door. He sends his messenger, and the messenger says, Elisha said to tell you, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. You will be healed. And Naaman responds to this irritated and frustrated and angry, and he felt disrespected. Because Elisha sent his servant instead of coming and speaking to Naaman. So Naaman's really, really mad, and he's really, really human in this moment. He doesn't want to do what Elisha has invited him to do. And isn't that true of any cycle-breaking moment? Our initial reaction in our humanity is to go, no, I'm not doing that. That's uncomfortable. That's inconvenient. For Naaman, he says, I'm not dipping in a dirty river when there's clean rivers back at home. It's like going to Lake Paris when you instead can go to Lake Powell, right? And that is what's happening with Naaman. And then his servant hears him throwing a fit. And his servant steps in and he, and he settles him down. And he says in verse 13, Hey, if the prophet told you to do something great, would you have not done it? So how much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? In other words, if he told you to do something extraordinary, you would have done it. But what if this is the extraordinary thing that he's inviting you to do? Like, what if this is it? And something clicked in Naaman. And it brings us to the second cycle-breaking decision that he makes. He surrenders to the wisdom of those close to him. 
Not only does he surrender to the love of those around him, he surrenders to the wisdom of those close to him. And the cycle-breaking decision that you and I can make is to do the same thing, to surrender to the wisdom of those close to you and close to me, the people who love you and can speak to you when you're mad, when you're angry. They know your rhythms and they know when it's appropriate to address you in those moments where you're just really messed up where chaos is happening within you and around you. And for many of us, we love to have a large group of people that could speak into our life, but the reality is it should only be a small group of people. It should only be one or two or maybe even three people who have built trust with you, who have integrity with you, who have character and someone that you know when they speak, their words carry weight. And they lead not with how terrible you are. They lead with the potential of the story that God is writing for you and how you are not living in that story. Those people in our lives are so important for our life. And this servant had a deep respect for Naaman and he wanted him to be healed. And I'm believing that you have people in your life that want the same thing for you. So Naaman surrenders to their wisdom and that helps him to begin to break the cycle. And the same can be true for you and for me. And then we're told that after this, Naaman in verse 14, he goes down to the Jordan River. He dips himself in the river seven times as Elisha had told him. And his flesh was restored. And he became clean like that of a young boy. Now, here's what's really important about this story that we don't get because we're not in that culture. But in Hebrew culture, they didn't always use numbers to represent quantity. They use numbers first to represent quality. So Elisha inviting Naaman to go dip in the river and to do it seven times is Elisha communicating that God is going to make you whole because the number seven in this time represented wholeness or completion. And so what he's saying to Naaman is, you wanna be whole, then go and do this. Be obedient to the story that God is inviting you to step into, to the work of God. And it also represented a a, a quantity, like how many times? Because it reminds us of how important it is for us and what we do in those moments when we're trying to break the cycle. Because cycle-breaking decisions aren't just one-and-done decisions, right? They take a lot of digging. They take a lot of serving. They take a lot of growing. And he says, You got to go and dip seven times because when you're trying to break the cycle, often you need to just keep dipping. You need to keep going and keep trusting. It takes some time. It takes some decisions. It takes a whole lot of surrender. And what Naaman learned in this moment is the third cycle-breaking decision that can help us to break the cycle of addiction and find healing in our story. He surrendered to the power of God, the God who is for him. And you and I can do the same thing. We can surrender to the power of the God who is for you. And Naaman recognizes this power so much so that when he comes up out of the water and he sees that he is healed, he goes back to meet with Elisha. And in verse 15, we read that Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God and he stood before him and he said, listen, I know that there is no other God in all the world except for Israel. So I brought all this stuff. Would you accept it as a gift? I rolled deep, my friend. Here you go. And it's a powerful moment because Naaman teaches us about gratitude. He's feeling grateful. And so he expresses it out loud. There's no other God except in Israel. He is the one true God. 
But he also teaches us about what we do with gratitude. He expresses it not just out loud, but in his actions, because unexpressed gratitude can feel like ingratitude. And so he decides not just to feel grateful, he decides to live in gratitude. And so he has all of these gifts and he wants to give it to Elisha. And he says, hey, I, I need you to know that I'm so grateful for what God has done for me. And Elisha doesn't take any credit. He doesn't take any of the gifts because he wants to point Naaman to the power of God because Naaman, in his obedience, he met the power of God and the power of God changed his life. And the same can be true for us. Because in obedience, when we obey God, we discover God's grace, we experience God's healing, and we live in God's love. The invitation to follow the commands of God, the commands of Jesus, is not because God is trying to modify your behavior and trying to coerce you into following him. He wants you to meet his power. And you and I meet the power of God when we are obedient to God, even when it seems a bit weird even when it seems a bit illogical, even when we have to dip in the Jordan River and it's dirty water. And Naaman realized that and he received from God everything that God had promised. Grace, love, healing. Friends, what if we did what Naaman did? What if we decided that we needed to humble ourselves so that we can find healing from the hurt that is inside of us or that has happened to us? What if we let go of the victim mentality? It's not fair. I can't believe it's happening to me. What if we decided to rewrite some of the generational narratives that have been passed along to us and we refuse to pass them along to those we love? What if we surrendered and we kept dipping and we kept going and we kept trusting and we kept digging and we kept choosing to surrender? Cycle breaking moments happen when we surrender. Cycle-breaking moments happen when we surrender to God. Maybe you're thinking, love this conversation, Mike. Thank you so much for sharing it. But I got this. I got this. I'm going to handle it on my own. It's not that big of a deal. And I'm going to solve the problem. And if you want to push back there, may I just push back on you? If you could break the cycle of addiction in your story, you would have already broken the cycle of addiction in your story. The truth is you can't do it on your own, so you won't do it on your own. So it's time for you to surrender to the power of God and be obedient to God so that you can see that power at work in you. A surrendered person understands that. And it's in surrender, in our powerlessness, that God actually meets us in his strength. Naaman couldn't heal himself and you can't either. Paul writes about this. He talks about surrender in a significant way. He said, we felt we were doomed to die and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. And that was good. That was really good. For then we put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us for even he can raise the dead. Anything's possible, friends with Jesus Christ as Lord. There is power in your powerlessness. James put it this way, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And he would know that because he's the brother of Jesus and he learned that in his life. Breaking the cycle is you choosing to surrender to the power of God. Maybe you'll push back. 
Maybe you'll push back and say, listen, I've, I get it, I understand it, I've tried it and I'm exhausted and the people around me are exhausted. And I understand that too. But this is why Elisha told Naaman, hey, you gotta dip seven times. Not five, not four, not three, not two, not one. You gotta dip seven times. You gotta keep going and keep trusting and keep learning, keep growing. Bill W. who created AA, actually was quoted years ago with these words. He said, we found that God could and would if he were sought. Which there isn't a biblical basis to this. This is just Mike's opinion. If God can and will, if we seek him, does that mean that God can't and won't if we ignore him? And I think what we are learning from this story is if we want to break the cycle, we got to pursue God to experience the power of God and surrender to the will of God because surrendering our will to the God of the universe empowers us to break the cycle because God has promised to transform us and set us free. But he asks for our dependent, humble, intentional cooperation, which means this, friends, that God won't be honest about your stuff for you. God won't go to counseling for you. God won't sign you up for a connection group for you. God won't do the work for you. God won't renew your mind for you. God won't take your meds for you. God won't show up to church for you. God won't let go of bitterness and make amends for you. God won't think on what is pure and holy and good and right for you. God won't allow Christ to dwell in you richly for you. God won't serve the least of these for you. God won't practice being a servant for you. God won't practice generosity for you. God won't resolve to be a cycle breaker for you. But he invites you to be obedient to his power because that's where we find the cycle being broken. And maybe today is our Jordan River moment. Maybe today we need to just say to God, God, would you forgive me? Would you heal me? Would you set me free? Would you forgive me and heal me and set me free? At Active, we are launching a connection group experience for every person that attends Active Church. And we are launching that next Sunday. And then Monday night, January 24th, will actually be the night that we join these groups. And there are five expressions of groups that I would love for you to be a part of. But there is a sixth group that has been meeting consistently that would be a cycle-breaking group for many of you. And I want to tell you about it. It's called Active Recovery. It meets every Thursday night on Ukaipa campus at 6.30. And it is a powerful, powerful group and a powerful, powerful opportunity for connection. And we are convinced at Active that connection is the opposite of addiction. When people are connected to each other and to God, addiction cannot stay and cannot stand. And I want you to consider being a part of this group because it's a powerful group where people have met the power of God through their obedience. Don't take my word for it, but take the word of those who have participated in it and take the word of those that have found healing from it. Check out this video. My name is Erin and I started Active Recovery about a year ago as a safe and loving place for the people of Active Church who struggle with addiction issues to come and talk, find hope, find community. I never thought I'd find a group that I would be able to open up about my problems or addiction or anything like that. 
before I was going to recovery, it, I was just lost uh, and no sense of direction. I was very scared of the shame that was attached to the addiction that I had. I was what you might call a broken person or a person trying to find something that I didn't even know what I was looking for. Um, Hi family, my name's Casey and I'm a member of Active Recovery. Hello, my name is Amy. Hi, my name is Pamela. My name is Charles and I've been active ever since I've been with Active. Um, I've become a better father, a better son, a better friend, and this is a safe place for me to come and share it. Many other things besides drugs that you can uh, learn from this. Uh, from being interactive with other people with a positive attitude. Because a lot of times if you're not active, you, you're uh, idle. And then if you're idle, bad things happen. But when you're in with a group, uh, it helps. My name's Dustin, and active recovery has changed my life. I'm so grateful for Aaron and for her vision of active recovery because it speaks to the power of God and that we find it in obedience, we find it in connection. Isaiah actually talks about what God can do in those moments when we surrender. He said these words, I have seen what they do, but I will heal them anyway. I will lead them. I will bring comfort to those who mourn, bringing words of praise on their lips. May they have abundant peace both near and far. Friends, we can break the cycle when we seek God and are obedient to God, surrender to God. He meets us with his power in our powerlessness. We can break the cycle when we surrender to the love of those around us, the wisdom of those around us, and when we surrender to the work of God in us. And so may our prayer this week as we wrestle with addictions and the addictive patterns in our stories, may our prayer be simply this, God, would you forgive me? God, would you heal me? And God, would you set me free? Would you pray that with me? God, would you forgive me? God, would you heal me? And God, would you set me free? Because we believe in the person and work of Jesus. We believe that Jesus changes our lives. And we believe God is a transforming God. And that he doesn't do things for us. He does things with us. Doesn't do things for us, does things with us because of Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray all of these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. in Ukaipa. See you next time.